in the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D. Bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you have all had a good week, and I do mean that sincerely. <laughs> Even though for most people, uh, work, the, their world has been turned upside down, and I completely understand it. But I do hope you've had a good week in the circumstances that um, everything's come to. Uh, I don't want to do it in a week where, because it's ain't that kind of show, and, well, I'll get to that in a bit, but yeah, it's not that kind of show, but, um, you know, it's, it's clearly at that point where, uh, as I record, which is Wednesday, the 17th of March, 2020, we are all, most of us are in lockdown, um, you know, so it's, uh, well, most of us, apart from maybe, I don't know, China, (laughs) Because even though, uh, obviously, China have had this uh, since, uh, I think, actually, like, August, like, before, like, in the autumn of last year, um, they've recently uh, uh, taken down, I guess, all of their mobile or just, you know, uh, uh, what would you want to call it, like, quick quick hospitals, so to speak, you know, the uh, just the one they built out of, you know, obviously, just trying to get, the, get everything contained. So it's all relaxing over there, and, uh, you know, and they're, beginning to get into the steps of um of um getting back to normal but uh for most of us in the rest of the world uh most in the west and down south as well and especially in europe and US and north america and south america uh everything's a bit yeah it's a bit um it's, it's kind of a bit uh it's a bit on edge right now um i'm getting people hit me up uh saying that you know they've they've basically been let go fundamentally um not officially but in terms of just go home and obviously um self-isolate but they're not getting paid because they're not working you know there are some people there are some um businesses and companies are still paying their people um but some aren't and uh yeah that's just how that's just how it is depending on uh, where you work for me personally not much has changed as you can imagine um I may I'm mainly in my room most of the, most of the most of the day anyway, so nothing really changes. Uh, I am not going to see Jizza, and uh, I'm not going to see Protege like Lee K and uh, Savannah, which is a bit peak, but it's uh, completely understandable. And obviously saw it coming. Uh, for some reason, I did order tickets to see Chronics in October, and now I'm a bit wary of that going shit shit shaped. Because why wouldn't it? Um, in this case, so we don't really know how long this is going to go for. Um, it's a real deep unknown. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. And uh, for me personally, you know, I'm not going to stop doing what's good. So I'm not going to stop doing uh, digging digits. And uh, hopefully, the other podcasts can follow suit. But for this show specifically, um, I'd just like to say that I'm going to temporarily. Uh, try and switch it up a little bit um, obviously in the past uh, this this will be three weeks three episodes um, I've been uh, dropping interviews 
for ser- for several reasons, uh, and this one's obviously a a just a general artist interview that um, I will get to in a bit. But in terms of the fu- short term future of the show, Voss Goods, um, I most likely will try to continue this streak of just um, doing interviews and just having one on ones with uh, people that. Uh, I feel like uh, having a chat with, to be honest, and people that want to chat. Um, simply because, obviously, this show relies on me uh, responding to current affairs, uh, whether it be life, film and TV, sports, and uh, music. But other than maybe music and, obviously, life, uh, sports is dead, <laughs> fundamentally. Film and TV is pretty much dead in most cases, other than some shows uh, drop in. Uh, can't wait for Insecure, by the way. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's kind of just it's kind of just where we're at. So uh, for the for the show itself, I'm gonna try and keep up uh, interviews instead. So I'm just gonna like you know pivot and evolve in that sense. Uh, when all of this dies down, and maybe we get some sports back, and maybe when we get some film and TV news back, uh, maybe I'll uh, start doing that kind of show again. Obviously, the regular show. Uh, but for this case, I'm going to try every week to uh, just do some interviews instead and just uh, have some chats with people. Um, I've got I've got two um, in preliminary talks at the moment. Uh, I say preliminary. I've just uh, ba- basically a couple of them hit me up to say, uh, you know, um, they were down for it, basically. And uh, yeah, I'm just setting those up. So if they go down, hopefully they'll go down. Um, if not, uh, pfft. I don't know, I don't really want to postpone the show because of this, I mean, I don't really have an excuse to, so if that's the case, and if I have no interviews, I might as well just uh, try and do the show itself, and, uh, you know, just keep it going, because, you know, I don't want to let this, I don't want to let all of this uh, a hullabaloo um, stop me, basically, I don't think it should, like, it's just me recording in my bedroom, I don't, I don't it shouldn't really affect me trying to uh, keep this podcast going, so, um yeah, so that's pretty much uh, the news of uh, this particular show. I'm just going to try and keep on doing these interviews. And speaking of interviews, let's talk about this particular episode. So today, today not today, this episode, it doesn't matter if it's today in my day, because today in your day, I guess. Uh, for this episode, I am talking to Mr. Tony T. Uh, he's an artist, um, American artist uh, from the Deep South. Uh, but he has a very interesting path uh, past that, to be completely honest. Um, he's a real uh, globetrotter, I guess, in, in one sense, because you'll gather really quickly uh, when when we start talking about uh, his career so far that he's not just... He, he, he hasn't gone the normal way of, of many eyes go down. You know, obviously, as you can imagine... Uh, you know, even if you're not nice or anything, you can imagine the 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 rule of thumb to go around. You know, starting your career is just like you know, do some shows locally, whatever. Continue recording when you can. Da da da. You know, and just hope something gets hot and stuff like that. And then you know, you can ramp up to you know stuff in your county and stuff in your cities and then nationally. And then you go on Euro tours or or your uh, continent and then maybe a world tour. You know, what I mean, it's just a natural progression of things. This guy just went to Australia and then went to Europe and then just continued doing that. He's, he's a very interesting path. He, he's created a very interesting path for himself and I hope that's uh, something you gain from this. Uh, I think you will. And also his philosophies and ethics as it pertains to his artistry and just how he sees uh, not even just hip-hop music but the music industry as a whole. 
Um, as you can imagine, he is an independent artist, and uh, he really does what he feels like doing. Um, <laughs> we actually uh, did the interview uh, in a studio, shout out to Pirate Studios in Earlsfield, I forget, forget the name, I think it's Earlsfield. It was in South London, it was somewhere in London. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was very interesting, and he had his dog uh, as well, that was quite interesting. A little, little small thing. And uh, yeah, so uh, without further ado, let's just jump right in. It's a very interesting conversation. Uh, and I hope you guys uh, will find uh, some uh, much needed reprieve uh, from this. This was before the outbreak. So he actually came to uh, London via Amsterdam and uh, went to Leicester, I think, the day after. So I don't know where, <laughs> don't know where he is at the moment, but <laughs> hopefully he's safe and all that. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. And uh, with that said, let's get into it. For Manzi, before we begin, obviously email, Twitter, IG, Facebook, Discord is all in the description below. I'm going to throw in uh, uh, Tony T's uh, socials as well and uh, maybe a link to his music if he wants to. I'll, I'll ask what he wants. So without further ado, my interview with Mr. Tony T in person, not remote. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy it. Tony T, what's good sir? What's happening? It's all good, we are here in... I forgot the place already, somewhere in South London. Somewhere it's it's South called Pyro Studio, shout out to them. Yeah. If, if y'all listening, I thought y'all shit was going to be bigger, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's cool. It, it's aesthetically cool, but it's uh, it's, it's very sm- it's small, as, as yeah. you said, but uh, you know, that's, that's, you, you're, the one, you're the one that's paid for it, so, I, I, yeah. so it doesn't really... So skin off my nose, to be honest. But um, yeah, so we always uh, begin with obviously the beginning. So uh, where were you born? How did you? How was uh, What were you like as a child growing up? And mm-hmm. what was your environment around you like? Uh, I was born in Fort Knox, Kentucky, but uh, much like much things in my life, it was kind of dynamic. Like I think we were there for six months and we moved out. My mom was in the army, so she was always going to war. Right. And so, like, that first time she was going to Desert Storm in Kuwait. And then, uh, um, and yeah, that was basically, like, my life growing up. It was a lot of, like, like we would be together for a while, and she got to go do her thing. So I grew up with a lot of my other family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, shit like that. And, yeah, I was a, I was, I was a shy one. I, I never would have thought I'd grow up to be a rock star. <laughs> never <laughs> yeah. a day in my life. Like, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I grew out of that. Yeah, so how was, I guess, that, um, obviously, in that case, with your mother being away, mm-hmm. um, how was that, I guess, uh, for you uh, growing up in in that sense of just, were you aware of what was going on? Or Yeah, I was hella aware, and it was, it was real sketch, because, um, like, I ain't, I used to ain't want to watch the news. Right. Because they was real big on showing, like, such and such U.S. soldiers died and this, whatever. Yeah. I never wanted to just be walking through the living room and I see my mom's name on the screen. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. that shit, it was, uh, that was, that was a lot of that, yeah. Just a constant, like... Kind of worry. Hold your breath kind of thing, like... Exactly. Because, like, you, you know, they're going to either send you some bullshit letter, they're going to make some bullshit call, but, like, that's just not what I wanted to hear. Because, like, she started going to war when I was about 2000... 2001 was September 11. I was 11. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes that makes pretty sense. Yeah, when I was one and she went to uh, Desert Storm, I didn't know no difference because I was one years old. Right. But when I was eleven, after nine eleven, yeah, I was like, oh, like I, everybody was talking about it. I was talking to town and shit like that. So yeah, I was very conscious of it. Talk of the world for a good ten to ten or so years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where did you, uh, I guess, live instead of obviously leaving Kentucky? Like where, where else did you bounce about? Uh, for that year, uh, I went to Na- I think I went to Nashville with my grandparents for a little while. Okay. But then uh, when September eleventh and all that started off, like I. I went to my aunts, so Boston one time, Texas one time, went to my grandparents one time in Nashville. Once I got to be about 15, 16, I just kind of stayed at the house. My neighbor would just look after me. Okay, so like a latchkey kid in that sense? We don't have that term. What is it? Uh, a tag along? No, so like a, when you when you get home from school, like you you put the latch on the door and you don't answer until like your mother uh, your, oh. your grandparents or whatever comes through ah, no we ain't never <laughs> stay, had no shit like that we, i get it i get it no we ain't never had no shit like that it was more just like uh just don't burn the house down just, just, don't, just don't burn the house down yeah i remember this one time though like i ain't burn the house down but i ain't clean up the kitchen like my you know, I didn't take into account my mom's been at war for 13 months. She wanted to see a spotless house, but it was like I burnt the house down because she cussed my ass out. Oh. <laughs> Boy, it, what was so bad was like uh, she came home and I had like a football scrimmage that day. So she went to the scrimmage and then she so she was at home before I got home. Right. So like I was intis- like I wasn't anticipating this cuss out. But when I got home, I was just like, damn, I wish I would have came home sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, when uh, like, uh, that. When someone when when they ask you to like uh, take the food out of the freezer and they're defrost before they get back kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you don't do it in time. <laughs> you're like, oh shit, I've got an hour to go. That shit defrosted. You try to throw it in the microwave, trying to learn the the little program. Hell the, yeah. The programs that nobody in the world knows about, but this there just I've never typed. Honestly, like I could I just. I just Turn it on two minutes. <laughs> Bro, that's like, it must be like no. an international thing. My Nobody mom taught me that shit. It. Man, my mom no. taught me that shit when I was like six. She's like, just Nobody put it in for two it. minutes. And yeah. if, it, if, it's, if it's cold, put it in for two more minutes and just look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, there's all that, there's all the buttons. There's at least like six buttons or something, but nobody touches it other than the actual dial itself. You know why nobody trusts that shit? Because the one button that everybody knows, the popcorn button, is not effective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we can get that shit to work, maybe we trust all the other ones. Uh, yeah, but even with that said, like, I, I remember some of them like say you know they have like chicken defaults or yeah like beef defaults. I'm not cooking a chicken in a microwave. I'm sorry. No, no, that's <laughs> the, that's the that's the easiest way to be on your stomach uh, for the rest of the afternoon. You know, some people can be on that struggle bus. I understand. So like you know, if, if you don't have an oven, but nah, nah, <laughs> salmonella ain't cool enough for me. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, now you need it. But anyway, uh, get, getting away from ourselves. But so, uh, so what were you? What, what were you? I guess doing recreationally. Um, uh, yeah, just instead of obviously up. like yeah, just growing up instead of like obviously uh, go to school, come home. What, what were you doing? Back in them shits, I was actually a, a swimmer. Um, really? Yeah, I did swimming because um, I had hip surgeries. I had... The rare, sw- the rare black swimmer. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> bro. Like, like on the set. Like, I'm the only motherfucker in my or screw. I'm the only person in my city doing swimming as like a sport. It was black, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. Because I did basketball, much like you. I tried it, uh, but then I was pretty straight at it as a kid. But then around ten, 
I had my last hip surgery. Okay. And I did physical therapy for it, but instead of doing yeah. like the stuff at the hospital, we did swimming. Swimming, yeah, yeah. And um, like my mom tricked me. She's like, "You like swimming? Don't you sign you up for swim team?" <laughs> I thought it. I thought it was just for like fun, but it was actually my physical therapy. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. and so I got good at it and stuck with it. And so yeah. I did swimming from age 10 on up to like age, it's my first year of college, so 19, so nine years of swimming. I did football in high school, mm-hmm. um, American play? football. I was tight end, the okay. defensive end. I did that for two years. I wasn't the greatest at it because everybody else had like, they did that since they was born. Right. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have the same. Uh, yeah. yeah. Seems like one of the things you can't just jump into. Like, no. Nah. needs to be from day dot. You, you can jump into it, but you can't compete at the same level as other people because right. they know all the nuances and stuff like that. Like if, if I would have went to some suburban area, I probably would have been starting. But like, no, nah, everybody. So that was that. Yeah, mainly just uh, sports. My mom always wanted to keep me busy because she was always working. And she thinks if you're doing nothing, then that's wrong. Right. So what was the neighborhood out of all of them that you considered like the... Um... Like when I say your neighborhoods, which yeah. which one is that for you? Um, I would probably connect with where our house is in Georgia. We don't live there, but we still own a house out there. And um, yeah, probably that one because we spend the most time there. Like we moved there in September 11th, and then like we was we was there consistently, or I was there consistently up until I graduated in 2008, mm-hmm. and then kind of on and off for years up until 2013. Right. So I spent the most time there, learned the most stuff there. Okay. You said you went to college around there as well? No, I went to school in Florida, so maybe seven hours or ten hours, seven hours south. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where in, what, what university? It was called Florida Southern. Okay. So it was in Lakeland, in between Orlando and Tampa. Okay. Probably the worst part of Florida, you don't want to be there. Really? Yeah, the worst part of Florida. Yeah, pay, me, pay me a picture. It, like, uh, so the bar that we saw go to was called the Cow Cow Corner. But, okay. Yeah, but I ain't, I ain't, I thought nothing of it. I seen the name a thousand times, but then apparently, like, this is where the Ku Klux Klan used to hang out at back in the day. Ooh. Yeah, and like, Cow Cow Corner, if you if you write it out, it's KKK. Oh, right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Shit, yep. like, shit like that. So it's just like old history of uh of, of that just kind of remains. I mean, that's the South as a whole, so you really can't escape it. But like, yeah, yeah, it's just backwards. But I feel like there's a, there's a lot of, um, not that I know a lot of um, uh, people from South, uh, South America, but like, I feel like there's a lot of um, times where people want to talk about that kind of thing. Um, with someone that has that is has an experience of the deep self, but they mm-hmm. don't, they 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 don't personally like to make that the forefront of the conversation, so to speak. You know, it's like there's like, more to it. There's more to the play. The whole the whole, you know, the southern quarter of the country than uh, than you know, yeah, KKK I'm, and barbecues. You know what I mean? It's a, I mean, you <laughs> write it. As well. you, you write about that. There is there is more uh, to the south. Of course, yeah. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like we we're at like a socioeconomic standstill right now because we just haven't talked about it. I feel like if we just had, I've been saying we just had to talk one time. You you know when you when you did something wrong, your parents just want to talk to you once. You know, mm-hmm. like to understand that you know that you did something wrong. Yeah. And then after that, then we ain't talking about it no more. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. we we be deprived of that conversation in the south because people be like, well, the first thing they say, well, we just had a black president. That doesn't mean shit. Right. Because 
we don't the citizens don't technically elect the president it's like electoral college and then the next thing is like well well yeah but you can you can do this you can be a rapper it's like yeah so the only success i can seek to have as a dark man is to be an entertainer what the fuck how how promising is that for children right whereas if we just have this conversation like you know what the world's the society's against you and the only way we appreciate you is if you're bouncing a ball yeah I wish they would just say that. Yeah. Then people would be like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be doing American football, risking my brain health to entertain people. Mm. But that's another topic. <laughs> well, we're, we're, getting, uh, we're getting across into a lot of different things, I suppose. But um, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Musically, mm-hmm. um, still sticking with uh, the growing up side. Sure. Where were you? What were you? What music was being exposed to you um, growing up? Um, well, my mom was exposing Lauren Hill and that's uh, a great stuff. Yeah, Lauren Hill, <laughs> uh, BB and CC Wine is like gospel music, mm-hmm. jazz, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the radio was telling me to listen to Biggie Smalls and P Diddy or Puff Daddy and Mace and um. I I fell in the outcast like once I moved to Georgia, mm-hmm. but um I feel, I feel like that's you know it's like a prerequisite. Yeah, kind of. It is <laughs> it's kinda, an obligation. Yeah, if you live in Georgia, you have to listen to Outkast. Yeah, I fuck with Outkast, and back in the days it was a little John and Eastside Boys. Oh really? Yeah, man. We was yeah. like eleven, twelve. That they was doing their thing, but um yeah yeah I was I was into that. Tupac was big when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and then um. Yeah, up until I got to like middle school, then it changed a wee bit. Mm-hmm. And I started doing more. Uh, I listened to alternative music, like MTV stuff. Because right. MTV wasn't all hip hop back then, so like I listened to Insync back in the day as well. I can't stand that shit now. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, like that. Back get free drinks in you. You'll, you'll probably be singing it. Ah, yeah, everybody loves a sweet Caroline when they're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, that's that's, that's interesting. Um, so. It was firmly just like hip hop, mostly like yeah. from 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 growing up. That's actually um, that's quite interesting, actually. But um, in that case, when did uh, when did you start personally? Obviously, you literally like came off saying that um, for black boys in uh, the south, you're right for you know a bounceable, throwable, or yeah. or, uh, or rap. Basically. So <laughs> so. In that case, obviously we're here and um, uh, <laughs> in a studio we're in, in London. We're in a music studio in London, so clearly you've uh, catered to one of the uh, yeah. one of the uh, <laughs> they got me <laughs> one of the stereotypes. Damn! Uh, but how did uh, that's actually a very broad question, but um, go where you want to go with it. But mm. when did you start wanting to do music yourself? Um, I remember this shit, man. I was at a music festival. It was like. It was like April 20th or some shit like that, March or 2012. I was at Ultra Music Festival in Miami, and this was when Avicii was still alive. Oh yeah, it's like dance music in there, isn't it? Yeah, heavy. Yeah. I was uh I was just in the crowd and like I had been going to festivals for the last two years, like all around America, mm-hmm. and uh, I just remember seeing Avicii on stage and I was like, I was like, I want to be where that motherfucker is at. I want to be on stage with that feller. Like, like where he's at. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the weekend after that, or like the week after that, I go back home. I walk in my buddy's house. He invited me over to like smoke some weed or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. I get there and he's got like this controller. And up until then, I, I thought that like you had to have $5,000 decks to be a DJ. And so when I looked up this controller for $700 on payment plan, I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> let me get that shit. But then I ain't start making my own music for maybe two, three years after that because I actually got out here. I was DJing around and I met somebody and it was like, yo, my man, my mate started producing. He went from $50 an hour to $500 a set. And I was like, oh, that's where the quality, that's where the money's at. Like I need to be, instead of playing some other shit, I need to be playing my own music. Yeah. And so I made that transition, but then, um, I was still doing house music. I was still in electronic side. Because honestly, between 2012 to 2014, I just didn't listen to hip-hop. Right. I just couldn't fuck with it. And I found out that you get to an age where new school is too new for you. In old school, you don't resonate with it because you think that's too old for you. Mm. Now, that's the period of my life where I was at. And so, like, I fuck with Gucci Mane now, but, like, I went from being a super hardcore Gucci Mane fan... So I was 21, 22, mm. and I didn't even want to hear this shit. And so two, three years after that, when I started making my own music, I'm, I'm trying to make all this house music, but it still got like a down south flavor, still got like a hip hop flavor to it. So I was like, you know what, T? Quit trying to fight the stereotype and just embrace that shit and just do what you do if you're going to be good at it. Right. And that's when I started just making my own, making my own hip hop. Yeah. I, I went from like hip hop, we did hip house uh, in the beginning. I tried to do, uh, I'd rap on house beats. I'd make house beats, rap on them. Uh, that way, when I played my house sets, I could play them and rap, do live shows uh, to just strictly full house or hip hop or house. Yeah. And I like it when the venue books me for two stages so I can do both. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Because the crowd's always like, didn't I just see you doing electronic <laughs> music? Yeah. So initially, you, you were DJing? Yeah. I started out 2013 house music DJ in Sydney. That was my shit. Just off of each alone? Or, not just, just going to not, not just like, going to festivals it. and being like I I want to be where Avicii's at. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's a that was a bloody perfect time to pick it, like in that era. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, man. Boy. That 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 was my steez at that point. Like uh, that point, I was like, like thirteen, tw yeah, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Mm -hmm. And before that, the only music I listened to is whatever my dad or my sister listened to. <laughs> yeah, I was just a I was just completely a blank slate on that front. Um, mm. So my sister would uh, put me on to like some hip hop, mm. you know, 50 Cent, Dizzy Rascal over here. Um, R&B, obviously, like 90s R&B, Disney's Child and all that. Mm. My dad usually um, was into like jungle. Okay. Um, and drum that's and bass. Real, that's some real like London shit. Right real there. throwback. Yeah, real yeah. throwback. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating learning about the roots of that. Um, uh, in the past few years has been very fascinating but yeah like that's literally what i was uh, exposed to and then at that point uh i started listening to the radio stuff i i barely do now but mm -hmm. um at that point it was literally like you said it was just like electronic music edm avicii oh yeah uh for me it was dead mouse that was my guy i rock with dead mouse back in the gym yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah man he got i feel bad him. he got a lot of shit because he was like he was like the original troll yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like he was like the epitome of it. Like it's in a room, like it looked like it's underground, but his studio's probably in this big ass house and he's just talking shit online to people. It's just what he does. Yeah. 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 I actually went to uh Creamfields 
uh, twice as right. well. Yeah. And that, that played a little bit of it. Well, no, I can't say it played a little bit of it, but, like, the whole the electronic scene played a vibe into what me wanting to go to Creamfields because I remember hearing Pete Tone's Essential Mix, and I heard the one they did for Vici at Creamfields. Right. And I just heard, like, the crowd, and they were, like, just going mad. I was like, yo, like, I, I need to experience what the fuck they're seeing right now. Yeah, Creamfields is a vibe. I've, it, uh, I've been told. Every time, every time I went, it got rained out, uh, but not, not so bad that it was like flooded. It flooded at Tomorrow World the year after I left America, and I'm glad I didn't go because people's cars got damaged and shit like that. <laughs> it was like, like, like real flood. Yeah, that's that's probably why I don't do festivals. <laughs> I'm just afraid of like, well, for one thing, camping, but like the another thing, just weather. I just like. Yeah, man, I'm, you got you got to want catch, that shit. I'm trying to catch cold right here, boy. Like, <laughs> you know I mean? It's inevitable. You always leave a festival feeling like shit, like five pounds lighter. <laughs> yeah, if ain't a summer festival like in the city, I can't really mess with it. To be honest, that's that's basically just how I, that's how I roll personally. But yeah, and that's yeah, I, no, it's to each their own. Yeah. To each their own, and uh, I I have had friends that have been to Creamfields and they've told me some interesting stories. So um, it gets wild out there. Understand. I bought yeah. my Willy Bobs when I was out there. That was my first time copping me a pair, like the first day. What do you call them? They call them Willy Bobs, the little boots. <laughs> ain't that <laughs> what y'all call them? Welly, Wellies, Wellington, yeah, yeah, uh, Wellies, Wellie, Wellie Bobs. I, I think I think the shotties from the office who called it Willy Bobs. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, but like they had a big old Willy station. What's funny is that's uh, every day. I, I, my first day at Creamfields, flew all the way across the Atlantic. Um, I had like, I forgot where the fuck I was in Manchester, or whatever. But then uh, I get all the way to the festival. I had X amount of dollars in my pockets. Mm. I spent it on all this other bullshit, you mm. know, leading up to the festival, beer, tent, and all this shit. I get inside the festival, and it's like, we don't, we only accept UK debit cards. So, like, I literally had to, like, sell, like, the, the Carlsberg beer I snuck into the festival and shit, like, <laughs> to get money, yo. It was ratchet. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm out here trying to enjoy myself hustling, trying to get food for dinner and shit, yo. But it was cool. The British people took care of you, boy. That's good. Yeah, That's I'll good. say it like that. Fair enough, fair enough. After that, I would just would head home to you or something like, you know what? No, nah, bro. What? <laughs> I can't, I can't take that kind of, like, uh, what's the word? Like, just, um, just sudden just roadblocks it's just like so frustrating to me <laughs> you know what I mean? it's, just, it's just if it comes to that i'm just like oh right, like, uh, so you're one of the people like if you, cool. you reach opposition you're out of there like fuck it not out of there because i've paid for it you know what i mean but yeah. um yeah that would be just so that was, that'd be just so frustrating okay that was my thing is it's like i've been on i think the plane ride was like 11 hours from atlanta and i was like uh, no okay. like i gotta i gotta tough this shit out i gotta make it happen <laughs> yeah well, if you come that far you know what i mean yeah you have to do sign, I guess, in that case. Yeah, yeah. I understand. For me, I was just like, oh, let me just copy a hotel and just <laughs> go on it. But anyway, um, so how that music that you did all that all them all the years ago? Mm -hmm. Have you listened to it since? Yeah. How uh, is it for you listening back to it? It's um. Honestly, uh, I had this. I had a. We. I was speaking on this with my homeboy, like one of my oldest friends, maybe two, three months ago. And he, he pointed out, he was like, your song Chazelic as fuck. He was like, everything after that is straight as hell. Like, I fuck with everything. I just don't fuck with that one. <laughs> and like, in my head, I'm like, it's supposed to be like that. Because I, 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 I think you're supposed to progress. Like, whenever I see these producers, they put out their first song and it's like decent quality. I say, who, who made that for you? You know, because I, I just don't, unless you study music for multiple years, or in study digital audio workstations for multiple years. Mm -hmm. I think it's impossible to to your first project your first project be decent. Right. 
So when I go back and listen to my first shit, I just think like, damn, I, I should have done this. I should have done this. I should have done this. But at the end of the day, what I asked my friend was, what about the next song? He said, yeah, the next one's way better. Bam. That's it. That's, yeah. all, that's all I needed to hear. Yeah. I feel like that's the case for a lot of, not even just musicians, but just like creative people in general. You know, you just like, at some point you just have to just do it. You gotta put it out there. Yeah, you just have to do it. And so, um, you, you know, don't, if it slaps, it slaps, it doesn't, it doesn't. I think you don't know where the bar is at unless you start it out there. But then, like, with house music, there's always people, like, there, if, if if there's a duo, like a, a DJ duo, one person is probably the producer and the other guy is probably the, the DJ. Right. And that, that's, like, the common thing. And so there's, right. like, there's it, it's, like, almost a culture. I've seen this guy post the other day. He's in a new duo. But, like, it's, like, a culture to, if you can't produce, you just give with somebody who can. Who can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's lame. I mean, it's his own. But yeah. I think you can't really grow that way. And I brought that guy up. I won't mention him. But it's, like, like I, I've known him. I met him like maybe three or four years ago mm-hmm. and he was on that like tag along shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, since then I, I've just been producing on my own and I've got to a point where people want my music, but he's still on that tag along shit. So it's like, I'm glad I did decide to go that route and just put my shit out there because then I can grow when I know the steps to go instead of being like waiting on somebody to pick me up. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that makes complete sense. If you can do, if you can do it all by yourself, do it all by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Collaborations are tight though. Like that's why we got this studio set up, uh, yeah. and, that, and that's why I do things like this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm real big on self sufficiency mainly because like I get anxiety and I don't like waiting on people. Like I, man, if if somebody gets a beat off me, I tell them you got 36 hours to give me a demo. <laughs> For real, bro, you have 36 hours to write me 12 to 16 bars in a demo. <laughs> like, I, uh, well, so this <laughs> track, this uh, uh, track, um, you have you have 24 hours, like kind of thing. Basically, it's like this <laughs> track <I>, deadlines. <laughs> I'm be playing, you man. This track deadlines, okay. Cause for me, like I like I I do that uh, when when producers send me beats as well. Like I, I give them thirty six hours, or I send it back in less than thirty six because I want them to know I'm serious. I don't I don't want them because producers hate it when, you know, they make they make this beat. It may take them five ten minutes, but then like it's sitting on some artist's desk who's never gonna get to it. Yeah. And they can't get it at somebody else because they're sitting there waiting on you to be like, yeah, I'm gonna do it tomorrow. Okay. Mm. Well, I believe you. Okay. Now it's three days later. Yeah. No, I'm completely even that same boat with you, honestly. I'm such a bitch, though, because at that... At, <laughs> nah, for real, man, like, I did it to some London artists. Like, I sent some shit out. I told you got 36 hours. I sent that shit all across the internet. <laughs> like, f- f- I didn't say during 36 hours. After five days, I wrote to the song. Uh-huh. I'm on the song now. Like, <laughs> yeah. at that point, it's like, all right, I, I gave you a chance for it to be your song. Now, nah, it's my song. Sorry. Can't yeah, me. yeah. Yeah, no, nah, I I feel that I feel that type of way. Like I've I've, I've said it on I've said it on uh, this show before, uh, on my show before. But like, um, if you can't like not even like produce work or whatever. Like if you just can't respond to me, WhatsApp message or whatever in like in like twenty four hours. You know, optimally less than that for me. It's like eight hours. But yeah, I just yeah, say yeah. I say twenty four hours to be nice. Yeah, yeah, like. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause this is the twenty first. We're in twenty twenty. You have no excuse. Big like, facts, if bro. you're if you're doing, I I know some people have jobs in that, right? And yeah. I understand that. Yeah. So if you have a nine to five, that's how long's that? There you go. So when you get off, just drop me a line. Yeah. I'm not asking for 
you know, whatever we're talking about. Don't have to have the whole conversation, but just acknowledge. There you got it, yeah. Like, all right, I'll get back to you tomorrow or something. That's not even on a work thing. I'll be the same way, bro. <laughs> that's just on the basic like, that's communication. Like, that's, like, that's like common, that's like decency, man. Exactly. It's like, my thing is, like, you can answer text messages on the toilet. <laughs> You know, yeah, exactly. Everyone, everyone spends twenty minutes uh, playing the game, or whatever. Yeah, you know, scrolling, scrolling. Yeah, yeah, they scrolling, say, yeah. they said, uh, they said the average, right mm-hmm. they said the average person scrolls the height of the London Tower. What a day! Yeah, that is fascinating. Yeah, I read that. I read that the second to the last time I came here. I did that in the past two hours. Yeah, I was yes. <laughs> So you be scrolling hard. No, 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 no. I was trying to. I was trying to like a. I I was trying to find a find a term, and I googled it like two months ago. Mm-hmm. So I was going through my history, and I couldn't uh, remember. I couldn't remember the name of it. So I was just going. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's that's the worst I've done it in the put in like in ages. But yeah, no, it's just a necessity. I be trying. I be trying to tone down that shit. Like for me, it's hard because you know, like with social media, it's kind of where you find like your your, your business. And so it's like, in, in order to find gigs, I need to be on social media, but in order to avoid social media, I have to be off of it. Yeah, yeah. As a creative, like, thinking about that, um, I feel I feel like in the, in the similar boat as you, it's like, we need it. Yeah plain and simple but there's a as as most people know there's a lot of garbage whole hell of a lot of shit there's a I, I feel i feel uh, it's so hard to navigate in that in in the sense of just like to sift through it yeah so i personally i like to just post whatever i'm doing like sometimes i on a on a daily on my personal i just like to like take a picture of like when i walk the dog because like um the perfect place where like the sun's just chilling, and mm. I like to just post that. Like, if if the weather's fine. Yeah. Apart from that, it's usually just like the podcasts, writing, yeah. professional stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's See, that's basically it. For that's me. the hardest thing about the artist, though, is because like people like I I like vlogging, or I don't like calling it vlogging, but I like I like putting my shit documenting. On yeah, I like documenting yeah. shit, and like. They say as artists, people want to see. They want to see that personal shit in your life. They mm-hmm. don't always want to see music, music, music. Yeah. But then, like, my thing is trying to find the fine line between that. Yeah. Trying to find like what is too much because for me, like, it is nothing to just fucking walk down the street. Bam! I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool. Now everything is on my story. My story is ten miles long. <laughs> just yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm trying. Yeah, to, I'm trying to calm that down. Like I used to. Uh, I just put a lot of my like my lady friend uh, drama on not drama. My like my lady friend stuff on instagram uh-huh, uh-huh. but i'm trying to increase my my female listenership and so i'd start taking that stuff down okay. uh it's worked a little bit but yeah it's just <laughs> like social media is a trick man but i, mm. I we it's like some, it's like women we need it something just we need it you hate it but you need it <laughs> hate it but you fucking need it i'm i'm glad though i'm not one that like i'll scroll but i don't be in everybody's story right i'm yeah. not a story kind of guy and i feel like if i'm I feel like if I'm on somebody's story, I'm just literally just trying to see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not the same as like, 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 like me on Neek shit. I seen he linked up with you. So that's different. He posted that. I can see that. Bam, bam, bam. Now I can go to your, your ad and follow you and this and that. Mm-hmm. But if it's just your story, like I literally just seen that guy walk across the street or some shit like that. You know, so like it's not really benefiting my life. Yeah. So at that point, that's when I cut it off. That's when I feel like I'm just, I'm wasting time. Yeah, for sure. Going back a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
previously. I wanted to get to like, um, yeah. When did you start like? When did you start learning on a production side? Um, was that in school or was that just by yourself? That was all by myself. I taught myself music production and sound engineering. Right. I, I did that. Um, I. It's hard because like I feel like everybody we we open it up and then it's so daunting we just kind of quit it. So I opened it up for the first time. Uh, damn, I think it was like Fruity Loops Seven or some shit like that. So like, <laughs> yeah. this, this is oh, this is this is like two thousand six. Right. Yeah. Literally just mm-hmm. downloaded it legally. Yeah. Couldn't figure out how to hit like hit the drum. Didn't touch it for some years. <laughs> yeah, on the set, cause okay. and then uh, but I ain't I ain't start I ain't start really Until going. YouTube kicked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, YouTube is nothing like it is now. But um, <laughs> I started heading down the path of like, all right, Tony, you got to figure this shit out. Right. Um, when I left America. When I left America, uh, I was DJing. That was 2013. I, I, I taught myself how to DJ like the months before that. Mm-hmm. But then when I got to Australia, like that first week, I got a gig for the following week. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I was like, all right, you got to start taking this music shit serious. And so sometime between 2013, 2014, I told myself, no matter how much it sucks, to have Logic Pro open, you gotta have it open and you gotta do something. Yeah. And yeah, and then eventually, I honestly didn't start calling myself a music producer till like two months ago. Oh, right. <laughs> because I produced, you know, tons of tracks, but like I, now I feel like, you know, I can go anywhere with my laptop and just bam and bam. You leave me in a cave, I'm coming out with some beats. Mm. Before it was more of a struggle, it take me like two, three months to like finish all it up, but now it's like, nah, I think I got the gist of it. So we'll, in terms of like labeling yourself that and giving yourself that, mm-hmm. was that a, was that like a, I guess, um, for lack of a better phrase, like a crisis of validation? Like you didn't want to yeah. give yourself that kind of, like yeah. you, you felt like, you know, I, I feel like I, feel I ain't like, this person. I feel, so. well, I, I, mm, I feel like I wasn't, I feel like my, the stuff that I was putting out wasn't qualified enough to be, to call myself a music producer. Right. Like I've got finished songs, you know, but it's, it's like, I, I didn't think that they were worthy enough for me to to give somebody else and then they'd be proud of that whole product. Right. You know, me, I was okay with it because I got a half-ass song with some half-ass bars you putting together, you got a 75% song. Yeah. But for somebody else, I, I never felt that like, you know what, like I can send this beat pack out to somebody and they're like, yo. I want that, but mm-hmm. now I've reached that point, and so that's why I say like two months ago, I I really felt like, like I I got the skills to to finish to really do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, you uh, well from how for, if people like uh, obviously look around your um social media footprint, mm-hmm. they know that you're a avid traveler. Thanks. Um. <laughs> Like, cause I've, okay, it's, it's, it's funny it's, y'all call it traveler dogs. I've never seen it that way. How do you see it then? Well, for me, cause like I be telling people, they'd be like, you know, if it, it'd be like even the club, like, no, if I, if I'm not going to do a show or something, I don't need to be there. And so all my travels are just because like, I, I got to go perform. Okay. Well, when I see people traveling, like they go on holiday and they just go. So you see it as a, you see the term as a recreational thing. Like, yeah, I'm going traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't you're like to... I'm going to work. Yeah, like this is not this is a business trip. These, yeah. these forty eight hours in England is a business trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how I always saw it. Uh, but I I can I do like to exploit the locations I go to, for and sure. so I could see why you think it of as a traveler. Well, but yeah, yeah, for go sure. Go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off though. <laughs> That's it's fine. It's, it makes it makes complete sense. I understand what you're talking about. So um, in terms of just um, 
going to other places for work. Yeah. Which is how we'll phrase it now. There you go, there you go, there you go. <laughs> um, uh, when did that when when did that begin for you? obviously it was um around the obviously the time when you were um I guess doing your house stuff. Mm-hmm. But when did you was that was that like the first port of call for you? Because for most people, in terms of how their journey works, mm-hmm. they start in at the house, yeah, and then yeah. branch out, yeah. But from how, you, but from how I'm seeing yours go, it's your career go. It's like let's just go to Europe straight up. <laughs> that that is kind of what it was, man. Because like uh, I started, like I said, I started DJing in Australia, and so I've, Whoa, I've so you started DJing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other side of the fucking world. Yeah, man. Like uh, right. I, I taught myself uh, the works in. I taught myself like the gist of it in Georgia. Right. And then I had already had plans before I went to Ultra and decided I wanted to be an entertainer. I already had plans to move to, Aust- to Australia. Okay. And then when I got there, like that first week, I, I was I'm online punching it. Found a gig, and I was like, all right, so that's what it's got to be. But okay. um, to answer your question, I, I kind of jumped out the gate like that because yeah. Being everywhere, like I, I've never, I've never had that feeling of like I'm, I got the home field advantage, right. you know. I, I, I be in towns and like I see all these artists, DJs and rappers and shit. Like they know the promoter. They went to high school with the the club manager and all this shit. And so like, you know, called a, a poor man's way of thinking of it. But I've always felt that it was the odds were against me. So I've never thought like I gotta do a show in my city. My thing was like, all right. uh I can I can finagle this gig in, in London. I'm going to do it. I can finagle this gig in Belgium. I'm going to go do it. Wherever I can get some footwork in and some promo was following, you know, a couple dollars here and there, mm-hmm. I, I made a point to chase those up because you sit around your hometown trying to seek validation from people who may never recognize it because it's hard for people to recognize you doing something extraordinary if they've known you your whole life. Right. That's, very, that's fascinating, honestly, because, like, uh, from how most people see doing, I think anything creative. To be honest, like obviously music's a very um, there's a very high chance of you going to other places compared to others, like um, yeah. like, like Ryan, for example. Um, but the fact that you did it out the gate is very fascinating. I don't Thanks. think there's many. <laughs> I don't straight up. I don't think there's many like. Uh, I don't think artists even think of doing that. No, they 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 see it as like, let me start, you know, in the local shows. Yeah, yeah. Let me then we go to like other state level, county level, and then, you know, if if we get nationally there, we get nationally there. But regardless of that, like, obviously, especially in this day and age, you can go, you can pretty much gain a footprint anywhere, gain a fan base anywhere, and you know, that's just. Um, that's, that's very fascinating. That's, that's one thing I like to I like to to be proud of because you know I, it's easy to get discouraged in creative industries like when people are doing better than you, especially if like <clears throat> if nepotism is involved or if they just been in that city longer than you have. You know, it's easy to get discouraged. Yeah. But one thing that I like to pride myself on is I think if these people, you know, anybody were to stop where they're at, move completely across the world. I don't think a lot of people would continue doing what they're doing. I think they'd be like, you know what? It's and then I, I I did it not only once because I went to Australia, started, then moved to Europe, did it again. Mm. So when I did it twice, and then you know it's like it, 
I, I was in Australia for a year. I got like a little fame here and there. You know, I played at some of the nicer clubs before they started closing down. But then when I got to uh, Europe, I thought all that was going to be worth something. It wasn't worth a damn. They don't give a shit about that. They only care about that if you come there actually famous. Oh, you're so famous in Australia. Cool, cool, cool. We heard about you before. Mm -hmm. But no, nah, if you're just mm -hmm. a regular motherfucker doing shit, they don't care about that. But like I said, I don't think many people who are hometown heroes have the gall to go across the world and do things on their own startups. So that's that's kind of what pushes me. Just knowing that I do do the, the uncharted route. Yeah. Yeah, nice. It's very... <clears throat> uh, what's, the, what's the word? Like, um, non-conformist, I guess. Yeah. I ain't never been... I ain't never wanted to be put in a box. For and, sure. And that's why um, I prefer to call myself a wordsmith because if you go around calling yourself a rapper, people think you're all about <laughs> gang violence and bitches and hoes and all that. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and because of my history or my background with electronic music, I always wanted to kind of be uh, a jack-of-all-trades or jack-of-all-genres. Yeah. And so that's why I say I'm a wordsmith because if somebody calls me with like a rock album, I just produced a country record for my grandfather over Christmas. Really? Yeah, it's, it's sick as shit. And I did trap remix. He's he's the third oldest uh, person on on the digital sh platforms with a new release. Right. The the first two were like ninety two and one hundred and two, <laughs> and they they beat him by like two months. Yeah. Like I I did some research on it to figure out that's how I know he's the third, and I was I was upset because I I've been waiting to see him. So we can make the record. And then when I got back and I found out they put it out like two months before, I was like, damn, we could have been the first. <laughs> wow, okay, fair enough. So like, uh, in terms of uh, songwriting, when did you um, when did you start um, going to that towards that? And how was that starting out? Because obviously like... at first it was the music first for you. Yeah. And then it was the words. So how, was... well, how big was that learning curve for you? Oh, man. It was, um, I think... I think writing comes, I'm not going to say natural, but it comes easier than the other one, like producing and engineering. Engineering is okay. kind of a tedious process, so it's kind of like steps. Yeah. But uh, I started writing like a, a whole hour after I, I finished my first song. Because mm -hmm. after, after I got it somewhat done, I was thinking like, this shit needs vocals on it. But the thing was like, because I figured if I put, if I had some vocals on it, it'd make it sound decent. You know, cover up the bad parts. But I was like, I can't pay nobody to do it because I ain't got no money. Mm. And so I was like, Tony, what you going to do? You do it yourself. Started writing myself. I wrote that first song. Sucks fuck. Um, and it's changed over the years. When I first started, I was, I'm still lyrical. Uh, but it was like, like every bar has to be a bar. Like that's how I first started. Every bar has to be like the snappiest, most clever thing ever. Um, and then I surely realized people don't, they appreciate it, but they don't. They don't hear it the way I would, and so right. they don't. They don't appreciate it the way I would. Like they think it's cool that you can be lyrical, but like they're not diving down into the nitty gritty of every single bar. Mm. And so I've uh, substituted some of that for a little bit more playful lyrics, um, but I still try to keep it strictly about shit that I know. I never. That's like my only rule. I never talk about things that I've never had experience with. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of uh, that at the moment. Yeah, I actually wrote a song about that called You Don't Know. It's coming out next weekend. Okay. Yeah, it's like my, uh, I guess my vendetta against rap music. <laughs> 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 fair enough, fair enough. So uh, where do you, I guess, reside now? Like, where do you mostly spend your time these days? Now I'm in between the Netherlands and Germany. It just right. depends on day of the week, really. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a lot. I just to uh, sorry, no, but like, there's a lot of uh, people uh, I've chatted to over the past like few months, and people I've just seen around, like mm-hmm. that have just gone to Germany and like go like I want to live there now. It's actually crazy. Now it's just only recently I've just noticed that. It's so I, odd to me. I don't. I don't know what is. Uh, I've I've been told that as well by some people. I'm in Germany because uh, to get a visa for Europe, I had to go to school. Right. And so I study engineering over there. But okay. yeah, I have heard a lot of people talk about they go to Berlin because I think it's easier to get an artist visa over there. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Right. Okay. But yeah, I've um, I don't really appreciate German culture. It's it just doesn't mesh well with American culture. Right. And so I appreciate the Netherlands a little bit more. So I'm lucky I live where I live at, where I can just. I've heard there's a half <clears throat> decent like um hip hop scene in Germany. Um. Kind of their hip hop scene is like, it, like that and uh. Like, like, there is new school styles of, of hip-hop in Germany and Netherlands. Yeah. But for the most part, like, the famous people are making kind of, like... It's like they're trapped in the 80s. Like, the, they're, they're still in the golden age of hip-hop. Right, okay. So their rhymes are real aggressive as hell. Their beats are still, like, basically made them on a, 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 a MPD, whatever. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, that's just kind of, like, the, the scene. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to... Uh, I've carved my lane in the Dutch scene. But in Germany, I want to loop back around in a year or so and just try to weave my way through that. Because... They don't really, from what I get of Europe, it, you you got to be like a real big superstar, or <coughs> or a local. You got to be if you're from America, you got to be a real big superstar, or but if you're not, then you got to be a local because they don't yeah. want to hear about nobody rising up. They want to be like, what's the point? Right. Unfortunately, but yeah, Netherlands is a little bit more. Uh, no, Netherlands just takes to me. There's no real live hip hop scene in the Netherlands neither. The Netherlands, they want to see somebody DJing Drake or Drake, one of the two, or somebody emceeing Drake's lyrics on top of him. Come <laughs> 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 karaoke bells, literally, literally, bro. Like, and, and that's the job, bro. Like, like in America, being an MC is a job. Well, it used to be in the '80s. They would hype the crowd up, a hype man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, those guys are accompanying the artists. Yeah, yeah. But in the Netherlands, like that is a job. Like they they pay the DJ, they pay the bouncer, they pay the MC to just hype the crowd up just do the songs yeah I, I don't knock anybody's hustle but i feel like that is adds to the the lack of hip-hop live hip-hop culture in such a country right because again they either want to see drake or or hear drake yeah so like their best friend who, who just djs or raps like that's just their best friend why the fuck would they want to see him on stage right but their best friend who raps drake's lyrics cool as fuck <laughs> he can yeah. get a check okay, okay so i how I'm seeing it is like there's a lack <clears throat> of exploration, I guess, and there's a lack of um, uh, casting in net, basically. Kind of. Yeah, it's just they just take what. What's given? What's popping? Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, there's been like a personal vendetta for me personally in like the past few years, especially since um, like starting this podcast and um, my other podcast, like mm-hmm. Flex, and the writing in general, and just like listening to music. Because what I enjoy the one th- one thing I enjoy most most throughout most of the year is like doing an end of year list, and if I wanted them to be good, like last year I really enjoyed doing them because there was just so much good shit. Mm-hmm. that I listened to and there were a lot that nobody 
like nobody I know heard. Yeah. So it was it was fun for me to like say you guys need to spin this stuff mm. like that, and I like to do that every week on on, on my other podcast. So okay. you know, it's it's kind of like a it's a it's a it's an offshoot of you you guys need to go learn for yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Because in education, um, I'm assuming it's very similar to to over in the states, but over here, like it's the education is very limited. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like you learn certain things, but not the whole story. But not the whole story. Like yeah. you, you learn, you learn the victories, never the defeats, or yeah, you learn, you know, what they want to, want to, what they want to tell you, what they want to tell you, kind of thing. Yeah, I get that. I, and I think I, that's the same in music. It's the same in many things. Yeah. Um. In music, there is like a the the music industry has been living off of the lack of knowledge from the artists. Yeah. Um, and that's why the independent industry is is kind of booming at the moment, because the knowledge is out there if the artists want it, but a lot of artists don't want it. Right. They don't like. We still live in an age where I mean I got hit with this like, what day was that? What day was that down? I think it was Tuesday. Man said, there's still producers who think that if a song's old, then they can sample it. But it's like no, you will get your ass sued. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a hundred years old. Yeah, decline, define old, huh? bro. I'm gonna be a hundred years old, and a motherfucker's gonna sample my shit, and I'm gonna sue his ass. <laughs> like, cause I can. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. but but uh, but it's just simple things like that where you, you figure like in 2020 every producer should know that by now, but they don't. They just they just rather live in the ignorance because it makes them more creative. I guess they have more options. Well, I think in that case, being a devil's advocate, I feel like they they could see that as like um, uh, paying homage, or um, yeah, that's what they try to use. Or uh, you know, but it, but it's great, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but your, you don't. Your artist, so your artist wants you, this lawsuit. <laughs> your artist wants you to you pay homage so. in the form of a a, a royalty fee. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, give me that piece of the pie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was I was listening to uh, Project Pack from Three Six Mafia. Mm. He he said because like at one point last summer like everybody was sampling their shit. He was like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I authorize it all the time because that's another check. I don't care how small it is. It's a check. It's a check. It's a check. Uh-huh. And I get it. Like, it's smart. I'm not so greedy, but like, yeah, I get it. Like, like at least give me the decency of asking me, yeah, can yeah, I use this? Yeah, yeah, you took yeah. the time to put this together. Can I please use it? And like, I, I have an issue with artists or producers who mainly uh, sample because I don't have an issue with it, but I feel like that music shouldn't be in the same category as people who produce from scratch. Because when you sample something, you're okay. taking something that that has the reference the reference factor like people when they hear it they're like damn i know that song mm-hmm. so they automatically get filled with whatever emotion the original song gives them okay that's interesting i had this uh there was that converse i had that conversation in some fashion um when uh there was like uh there was an article um where they were talking about basically nostalgia mm-hmm. like what you're talking about in terms of sampling um because obviously, uh, I think it was Tory Lanez did a whole album recently or mixtape, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, and it was literally just 2000s, 90s R&B sampled and he's <laughs> on it. Yeah. Sometimes they had the artist on it, which is, I guess, in some way... That's decent. Decent, right? Yeah. But I feel like in that sense, uh, there's a there's a... 
like you said, there's a kind of like a there's like a wave you're riding there yeah, of like yeah. somebody's nostalgia. Oh, I just oh that reminds me of Ashanti's Foolish. Oh wait, it's uh-huh. the, it's Ashanti's Foolish. I'm not going to listen to that version. I'm just going to go to listen to Ashanti's Foolish. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on again because I fucking love Ashanti. But <laughs> but you know I'm. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing much. This is actually the argument that artists like to use when they try to justify why they do sample because they're like, "Well, I'm totally re. I'm bringing the new crowd into your music." Yeah, but even on the flip side of that, um, I do personally appreciate sampling in many of its forms. It's just in that minute sense. I can't really. It's obviously like a line, isn't it? And you, I can't exactly chop it uh, however i want it to but sampling as a just as a form of um expression i guess or whatever you want to call it i rate it personally um as a hip-hop fan as just a music fan person just because like i do feel like if someone does it properly uh it can be like the best thing ever so like when someone does um so when someone takes a for example like um when Kanye uh, took Nina Simone and put it uh, on uh, Talib's uh, Get By. Mm-hmm. A very specific example, but the obviously it's a, it, was a, um, it was a sample of her Cinnamon, the Cinnamon, right? Mm-hmm. And not to go into the whole, obviously, like, meme <laughs> of the song, but yeah, yeah if, you wanna, if you guys want to go listen to it, go listen to the song because it, it, sl- it, it slaps. But, um, yeah, it, it it took like the essence of what she was talking about, and obviously who Nina Simone was as an artist, mm-hmm. and Talib obviously flipped it into rapping about very similar things. But like you say, and I feel like you have a gripe towards this kind of artistry now, where they just take Man. any old sample, like because um, there was a They're... recent Uzi track, wasn't it? Backstreet Boys. Why not? Dude, it's, it's like, like, like they, what? because when they do that, it, yeah. it opens the floodgates for 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 lesser acceptable uh, mediums of, of. It's cheap. For, well, it can be cheap. But my my thing is is like uh like they're literally like Drake's fans. Drake's fans are like his hardcore fans. They're so young they don't understand that he came out in two thousand and eight. Yeah. And so. It's like that, like between 2008 and 2020. And so when in 2019, Drake says a Biggie Smalls line from the 90s, they have no idea who said that shit. Yeah. This is my issue. Yeah. It used to be it used to be in hip hop in the in the 2000s. They would say line word to whoever, you know, so people know like, yo, I got this from whoever. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, they are literally like I was listening to Key Key Glock. I don't know why I've been listening to Memphis hip hop this week. But he's got this song, and it's one to the two, to the three, and to the four. You and I know Snoop Dogg. Yeah, no. <laughs> Straight at the door. <laughs> Him, it's a uh, big Glock. Is that big? Some some other shit that he made up. And it's like, yeah, it's, it sounds cool as fuck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if I were Snoop Dogg, I would need people to know that I said that shit. Yes. And so that's why I think, like, sampling is cool. Don't get me wrong. It's okay. I think it's acceptable, especially if you pay your license fees. <laughs> but I think that that music, if if you got popping off of shit that you sampled, you shouldn't be in the same category who somebody just made a song from scratch. Okay. That's just what I think. Hmm. 
But I will agree. I that, think about that. I will agree. There is an artistic way to sample. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. There's. There, I'm not saying that there's not. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's the devil's work. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I I completely get where you're coming from. Um, yeah. I th- I think. Uh, yeah. F- fundamentally, it's obviously just like a another avenue to go down, or it's another element to add. I think, you know, yeah, yeah. If it was an element, I would be cool with it. But these people, it'd be they, it'd be half they song. (laughs) Like they will, they will, they will, they will take a four bar loop, throw some trap drums over that shit, and like that's it. Yeah. (sighs) It's an it's it's annoying on that front. Um, uh, I feel I feel like we're just like (laughs) we're beating up, we're just just ping ponging (laughs) agreements towards this. Um, but like. Yeah, uh, there's there is sometimes where like, obviously, like I'm like I was talking about in terms of people learning. Mm-hmm. Like as a hip hop fan, I like to think of myself as a person that values every, all nearly fifty years of it in some fashion. I mm-hmm. try to, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's people my age or especially younger that actually account for this stuff. No. Um, you know, I'll hear that. I'll hear that one, two, three, and four. I'll hear that, and mm. I'll understand it. But I don't know how many Keyglock fans will understand or will even catch it. That's what I'm saying. And it's just like there's a, there's a there's a there's a friction there in going on in my head. And you know, maybe maybe I'm just being like I'm just going do lally about it. Maybe everyone knows it's fucking Snoop Dogg. Nah, nah, man. I I, I know for a fact, bro. Like we. <laughs> I, I honestly like as long as no more jokes get made about him. I think in the next ten years, people won't know who Michael Jackson is. Just gonna let that sit. <laughs> so that's it. Okay, expand. Well, mainly because like we're at a point where like the, you know we got all this information out there, but there's just not that many references going to. Not that mm-hmm. they need to be referenced, but like people just don't know about those things. Like unless, like I said, unless they make some more jokes about him raping little kids, like people will li- little kids these days will literally not know who Michael Jackson is because there's nothing there's nothing to tell them about his legacy was tainted, uh, and so when Key Glock is going on making these songs sound like Snoop Dogg, it would just be really cool if if Snoop Dogg got the praise for that. This is what I was thinking. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, again. I agree, I agree with you on, yeah. on, on, the, on the front. It's just like... Um, How do we change the ears of the consumer? That's a great fucking question. I've been trying to figure that shit out forever. I've been trying to get them to go against the grain. Do you have, do you have an answer? No, nah, man, because... Uh, I don't. Because people... I mean, people, if you would, you'd have the game on lock, really, wouldn't you? Fucking right! <laughs> fucking right! It's kind of like... It's, it's, the ultimate, it's the musician's ultimate question, like... Dude, like, how to... Well, no, I think most musicians are trying to figure out how to get their shit to be with the grain. Right. Like, and that's why so many, in my opinion, so many musicians go down the road of writing about shit that they don't know about. Because they see that as, like, the blueprint. I talk yeah. about crack, call women bitches and hoes, yeah. and yeah. and it's popular. People are going to fly to that. But yeah, and and in my opinion, I think that's also why music is diminished because, not to make it a race thing, but we've got people at the top of these record labels who don't come from the essence of hip hop. Yeah, facts. And so, when they, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe that consumers are told what to listen to by means of the radio and things like that. You yeah. listen to a song three times, that third time you're gonna be tapping your foot. Just fucking facts. 
So the radio comes into play. So back to the people on these record labels, they go and find people like little Zans and, and little mm-hmm. whoever the fuck they are, mm-hmm. with the skinny jeans, shit mm-hmm. like that. You, you you go wake up Big Pun from the Dead and tell them this is the, the future of hip-hop. They'd be like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, I think I think it, it, we may see a change uh, with independent becoming a thing. Like, people, and artists are being told less and less what to make, but they're still going by the same guidelines. Yeah. That I got to make this type of content about this and yeah. this. So, I don't know. I think it would just take a whole bunch of people like me being like, no, we're not doing that shit. <laughs> we're just going to fucking chill. Yeah. Even in that, like, um, uh, uh, I've been actually thinking about, um, in terms of just, like, how, um, artists these days like if they shoot up they shoot up oh yeah and it feels unnatural to me personally you know what i mean it feel it feels inorganic and obviously that is just a potentially um a what's the word the symptom of just um you know going back off our social media conversation that we briefly had this kind of just you know that Mm-hmm. You know, just something literally spreads like um, coronavirus. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like well that. played, well played. <laughs> Very, nicely timed, yeah. Nicely timed. No, no, thank yeah, you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, it's it literally spreads like that, and and I, I I read an article recently where like these artists only have only been out for like a year, well, only been known by everybody for a year or they've only had one album mm-hmm. or even one EP for some people. Yeah. And they're doing arena tours. Yeah. That's, I think that freaks me out. I think there's like a flip side of that though because uh, one thing I've been saying this week is that for every overnight success there's like two, three years of grinding nobody ever heard of. Yeah. I think that's some of the cases but there are success stories where it's like, like uh, Lil Nas X or whatever. Yeah, yeah. People are like, well, yeah, his song didn't blow up until Billy Ray Cyrus got on the remix. Yeah, but how are you? How how can you be a nobody artist and be and get your music in the room with Billy Ray Cyrus? Yeah, some some people aren't people aren't acknowledging nepotism like they should. They need to just be like, you know what, my cousin hooked me up with this gig. <laughs> <laughs> people, that's my issue with the music industry. Everybody wants to be. I came up out the mud. Nah, bitch. Somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody somewhere. <laughs> Because like uh, I feel like my story is real like ultimate like I find opportunities people do things for me but I wouldn't found those people I put myself in the room with them people or I you know one way or another it sounds selfish because it's me 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 but I wholeheartedly believe that like I I did eighty to ninety percent of getting myself where I am right people have done things for me but without me getting into that room with that person it would have never been done yeah. Like, I mean, with this London studio here, I, I found out about Pirate Studios uh, through Denzino's. I'm going to pull up soon uh, because I hosted events here in London. Mm-hmm. I, I created opportunities for other artists, and since then, it's created opportunities for me. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Yeah. I feel like off this conversation, um, you have a firm set of um, philosophies and ethics when it comes to all this. Yeah. Um, do you feel like... As an artist, like you, well, do you feel like all artists need that kind of um, mm. th- those those foundations? Because obviously, you know, 
just going back to what I was talking about, about, you know, IS being, you know, blowing up for a year, having arena tours and that, mm -hmm. I feel like they don't have the chance to even have, like, that kind of philosophies that you do. You're right. Yeah, it takes, um, I, I came into music with some values that I wanted to hold dear. Like, I came in talking like, all right, Playboy, if you're going to be putting out music with your name on it, fuck that record label shit. Mm -hmm. Like, because I ain't waiting on nobody to tell me when, who, and how to put out music. And so I already came in with, like, the mindset that, like, you got to be a boss, you got to handle your own shit. And, yeah, I think if, if somebody blows up overnight, it's real easy for them to, like, to fuck up. That's why, I mean, God bless the dead, but, like, it was a commonly known fact. Like, Avicii was 13 or he was, like, 16 when he blew up. Literally didn't know what the fuck to do with money. And the first time he goes into a club, like, he's performing. Mm. Like they, they say, like the the very first time he goes into a club anywhere, he's the headliner. And if you're young, or even if you're like in your twenties and you don't have like a good head on your shoulder, you don't know what the fuck you're doing with your finances and shit like that. I think it's real easy to fuck up, become a nobody. Mm. And I don't really. It's not that I don't have respect for people that blow up overnight, but I feel like they will they will fall as soon as they they become in the spotlight. Yeah, because of reasons like this, they don't know they don't know how to proceed. They don't know how to carry it on. A lot of people, like I went viral in the Netherlands uh, two Januarys ago. I've never gotten two hundred thousand views on any platform in one weekend, but I, you know, I think, I think ten ten years ago, uh, I might have quit my job or some shit like that. But I'm smart enough to know that like that shit doesn't mean shit. There's there's more to it. You gotta you know that that's good that it happened. But that's not the the beginning to your new life. Mm. And I feel like other artists, if that would happen to them, they they would have been fucking buying Lamborghinis on credit and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's a, that's a good that's a good word right there. So yeah, uh, ethics and morals coming into the industry are I think they're important to have, but necessary. No, you can get by without having them, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a word. Honestly. Um, so, how would you, uh, I guess, um, for those that haven't listened to you before, how would you describe um, your music at the moment? Um, my go-to answer is hip hop without the bitches and hoes. But um, <laughs> yeah, one thing I've been trying, I, I like, I like bragging about is. I put my life on wax, right. and there's a high chance your favorite artist is rapping about my lifestyle. Right. I say that because, like, you mentioned the travels and shit like that. Last year, we found out 21 Savage has never even left in America. As big as an artist he is, he's never performed out of the country. So I've literally performed in 10, 10 times as many countries as, as 21 Savage. He's not the only one. I, I just hear, you know, a famous artist talking about like shit they do with it but they actually don't but then if i look at it in retrospect it's like they're talking about me and so it sounds braggadocious but i i i like to express my shit that way because if people were to look at my music for the face value look at what i'm doing things like that they would probably be like yeah like you you should well not you should be a celebrity but like you do do celebrity type shit mm -hmm. so that's how i describe it for sure. Um, with that said, uh, obviously, um, you have been to many places. Yeah. Uh, what is your, what has been your favorite place so far? 
Uh, I'm gonna have to go ahead and say Holland. Not mm-hmm. not the Netherlands, but Holland. I get the most love out there. That's where it's like, I mean, even even outside the venue, like at the bus, wherever wherever I'm at, people around there just give me so much love. But I think one of the funnest, one of the funnest. Uh, I, don't, I don't like using the word tour because unless it's like ten days, but one of the, one of the funnest uh, music times we done had was with. It was the the label's 30th anniversary, so we like to do a weekender, and a weekend is something picked up in Netherlands. So we did day one had a show in Germany, mm-hmm. day two had a show in Amsterdam, and then uh, in in between that, like like literally like like leave the venue, go home, get some sleep, hop on the bus to the next city or the plane. But then after Amsterdam, we left the club, uh, went to my buddy's club because he was DJing that night. So diamonds in there. And I only bring Dom in the clubs that I'm performing at, but I was like, fuck it, let me just try it. So, like, it got to, like, the end of the night. The lights come on. The manager's like, why the fuck is there a dog in here? <laughs> but, uh, long story short, uh, we left that, went to his house, party a little bit, but then flew directly to Prague, shot a music video, uh, and then did that show, and then had another show the next day. And so, like, that one was the fun and most memorable to me because I feel like that was some real, like, rock star shit. Like, for my book, that was some real <laughs> rock star shit. Motherfucker would to... Three countries, four days, four different cities, four different or four different uh, uh, events on four different nights, and like uh, mm. when I do things like that, that's when I feel like I'm actually doing something, you know? Because anybody can do a gig, but I feel like when you string it together like that, yeah, then yeah. you're really doing something. That takes some stamina, really. Thanks. Yeah, that sounds sounds tiresome. <laughs> Man, I like it, it can be. It can be. That's when I. That's when I like. It's times like that when I know I really love music though, because it's like mm. like that. Or when I'm up at like five o'clock in the morning, the sun's telling me to go to sleep. It's like <laughs> I wouldn't do this for anything else. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't purposely lose sleep. Sometimes I'll be up at twelve o'clock. I gotta wake up at six. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just gonna get four hours of sleep tonight. I don't do that shit for anything else. And so you know, if I'm losing sleep to go shoot a music video across the city. I just love it. So yeah. I do what I got to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's a real, it sounds like a, uh, a real pure sense of uh, artistry in Thanks. terms of just like, obviously there are people that say like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, get as many gigs as possible and, you know, just go and wherever I have to go, I have to go. But I feel like you've obviously made that into like a, um, into like a, a science, I guess. Into Thanks. and just and, and just like you know, and just making that a little bit larger because I feel like that mentality happens on the local side and people like you know just starting out or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, I'm gonna go to this bar, this bar, this bar, and it was all in the same city. Yeah, but you're like doing that across yeah. Europe. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, let me just let me just go Netherlands. Let me just go Germany. Let me just go here. Like, Man, one of my one of my uh, one of my driving factors was. Uh... Like I said, I was I started out doing house music, and when I got booked to play in London for the first time, I was hella ecstatic. Yeah. Because I uh, like. Do you remember I, where? Yeah, it was an Egg nightclub. Okay. And for me, it was it was it was Gucci because, like, I always heard about like Jimi Hendrix coming over to the UK to do his thing. You know, like that's that's like it's like a proven point. Like if you get called from the UK. You doing some right passage? Yeah, because mm. like you know, I remember the first time I wrote that shit on Facebook. It's like, man, I got I got a gig in the UK in London. Like I ain't never been to it. I ain't never stepped foot inside of a club, even just a party, at that point in London. And so when I got the gig, 
And then when I and then when I when I, when I showed up at Heathrow, and I'm telling everybody where I'm playing at, they're like, "You're playing at Egg Nightclub." Oh man, I'm through the fucking roof. <laughs> my head was on ten, bro. But yeah, like that was um, that I had some like goals. Like Berlin was one as well because I've mm -hmm. always heard Berlin was shit with music. I said I don't want to go there until I get booked. And so when I accomplished those things, like that's kind of why I do the the out of town thing so much. Cause I don't get no local support like what well, I do now, but I didn't get no mm -hmm. local support as like I should have. And I just saw it as if you don't be on stage and your, your career is stagnant. Yeah. So go where the stage goes, go make the money, go, go follow the money trails. How they say it. Mm. I think that's a journalist saying, isn't it? Somebody with the Panama papers told me about it. Well, go where the story is kind of thing. No, follow the money trail. That's what it's. Oh, goes. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. Uh, from an investigative. <laughs> Yeah, yeah versus investigative journalism. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna ask her for like a, I guess a piece of advice because uh, it was like I said, this is the way your path is so um, unique in a in a in the sense of just how people go about um, their careers. But like, I think you've just put it simply there. Just go where the where the gigs are. To be honest, go can, where it if, is, if man. You can, if you can get there, get go there. You know what I mean. It, it, a, easy, a better way to put it is uh, create your own opportunities. Mm -hmm. That's been my mentality. I ain't never been. That's why, like I said, I started my my label because I wasn't with no handouts. I mean, I was talking to my buddy down in Brighton, and he was talking about his buddies wanted to get on the show. Was playing, and like I said, if they're accepting the handout, they can't be too picky. He was like, me giving my friends a gig as a handout? And in my head, I thought that. I was like, damn, that is kind of harsh. But yeah, I do consider that. Because like, like I, I just ain't never been with, with sit around and wait. So if like people listening, I think the advice would be create your own opportunities. Um, find good people. Uh, elevate those people. Don't always make it about you. And fuck what anybody ever told you. Excuse my language, but, but literally... Fuck what anybody ever told you. It, it, no matter if they couldn't do it, it can be done. Because mm -hmm. if somebody if somebody ever tell me, people tell me, I remember this fella, and why getting booked in London was so superb was because this fella from Manchester told me a year before I got here, no one gets booked in London unless they're already in the UK. Mm. So that was the biggest, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go back and message him, but I wanted to. I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> For the audience listening, he just threw up a middle finger. So. <laughs> just, just for the visuals. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, that's a uh... wow. We've been going off for a good an hour and, hour and ten minutes. It's actually been super rewarding this conversation, to be honest. Cool. Um, but we like to, f I like, well, I like to finish off every interview, mm -hmm. um, with a top five. Sure. So, uh, I like to give the premise of just like kiss your top five so it could be about doesn't even have to be about music it could okay. be about anything you want um a good example i like to give is somebody gave me one so it was like a jesus water sleep and uh, two other things it's just like a sentence for life i guess but yeah yeah um, um so what is your top five uh i'm out to say my dog diamond the dog hole uh who is here right here is here by the way. Chilling. Just, yeah, just chilling. This is bedtime. Big <clears throat> uh him, cause he's with me all the time. Can't do nothing without him. Music. Family. People with strong sense of characters 
and moral values. Mm-hmm. Aim. And just breathing. Just breathing. 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 Yeah. Carrying on another day. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Thank you very much. Ain't no thing, man. Appreciate you having me. <laughs>